Where do I start, Rian? Where do I start? Oh, man. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the overlap. Um, we're trying something new today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start positive first off. We're, starting, we're trying something new today. We're, uh, we're, we're trying out this video podcast format. Um, I brought this idea up to Rian earlier today. And uh, he got on board. Um, but there are a lot of things that happened earlier today. I'm still trying to process. So, I mean, that was in the middle. That was like in that, that was like in the middle <laughs> of everything that was going on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. It wasn't even the beginning of the day. The beginning of the day actually turned out great. Like I, I, oh my god, I had a great like first two hours of the morning, and then you know the world just deteriorated from there, or at least my personal world. So, uh, Rian, before I even start, how you doing, buddy? It's uh, it's been a couple days. Sorry, I seem down. I have a good reason to be. Oh, yeah, I can't imagine why. I mean, the last three weeks have been so cool for, for <laughs> help. Help. Oh, God. No, but uh, wow, a lot's happened since the last time we podcasted. What's uh, a week ago? Less than a week ago now. Dude, it's been seven days. That's the thing. <laughs> like, it hasn't been that long. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I do think before, before we get into the um, athletically depressing uh, topics on top of everything that's happened in the last week um we saw another another black american male get shot by the police and i don't want to i I do want us to remember that like that shit's still happening and not dead jacob blake or he's not dead but it's just same old shit, man. Same old shit. It's just tiring. It's really fucking tiring to talk about. And I just need to throw that out there so that people know that this shit's still yeah. happening. And like, it wasn't a fucking fad what happened earlier this summer and, and all of the protests and all of the social movement that's been happening over the last few months. It's not going to fucking stop as long as this keeps happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a hundred percent. It's, it's the saddest part is that we know that this is going to happen again and again and again. We, we know it. It's just, unless a, a widespread systemic change takes place. Um, and, and I mean, almost uniform slash universal, um, you're going to keep seeing this and it's not isolated. I mean, we're having the same conversation, a month and a half later and how many of these incidents aren't recorded you know how many of them so we could devote a whole podcast to that um and honestly one day i would love to do that but yeah i'm i'm exhausted i i, I mean yeah i'm i'm with you 100 with you yeah so we move on to more uh happy things like really your favorite player <laughs> <laughs> Favorite player of all time choosing to either play chess or actually wants to leave. But, like, Elias, I was so, so fearful for you throughout most of the day. And I was very concerned about your for, headspace, for my mental health. <laughs> about your headspace. <laughs> I was very concerned about you know, whether, would you be able to get any work done, honestly? No, well, here's the thing. I actually, I, I wasn't. I, I, I kid you <laughs> not. To my manager, I, I am so sorry. I could not get any work done today. Um, and that, that's not a joke. I, I, so let me take you through how my day went. And of course, Rihanna's talking about this man right here. Um, the absolute living legend, the GOAT himself. Um, as many of you already know, Lionel Messi communicated to Football Club Barcelona earlier today, um, Tuesday, August 25th. 2020, that he does in fact want to leave the club. Um, and that decision is final. Uh, final, I think, irrespective of Bartomeu leaving. Uh, final, irrespective of what sort of sporting project they put together in the next three weeks. Um, it's final. It's a final decision that Lionel Messi wants to leave Barcelona. And I never thought I'd be saying those words. My day, um, like I said, started off great. Um, I made myself eggs and toast uh, with a side of avocado. Um, of course, I seasoned it with lemon, salt, pepper because I'm not a psychopath. Um, right. This is coming not- from this is coming from the man who notoriously puts cream cheese 
and peanut butter. <laughs> and I've even seen him throw locks on top of the same bagel sandwich. But please, I, come on. So at least two of those things are, two of those three things together, good combo. I maintain debatable. that. Locks, debatable. Locks is a, okay, that's a, yeah, locks maybe was a mistake. But the other two are fantastic. Um, anyway, my day started off great about, a little before midday today, the news broke from Rack One, um, a, a reliable set of insiders within Barcelona, that Lionel Messi had in fact communicated that he wanted to leave the club, um, and, and all of a sudden the news started cropping up everywhere. It wasn't just one source that was reporting that; it turned out to be widespread news that that came out of all parts of Catalan media. Um, Basically, every reliable insider had the same news, um, and and it was it was deafening. I mean, I think all of Twitter went into like a shock state for like a couple hours. Like, is this like almost like a is this actually happening right now? Like, are, am I reading this correctly that Lionel Messi wants to leave Barcelona? And I think it, it hit me when it was real when I started seeing like the New York Times start publishing about this. Like, I never thought the New York Times would care about this. The Associated um, Press, too. <laughs> the AP? Yeah, like, BBC, I guess that's maybe different. But, like, just every news outlet basically in the world was covering this all day today. Um, the news broke that he communicated to the club. Uh, the club apparently called some sort of emergency meeting, um, although that uh, there have been conflicting reports about that. Um, but more and more, the, the news came cropping up. So let me let me break down to you without going into the complicated nature of the politics behind Messi deciding that he wants to leave Barcelona. Let me take you through what we know before we get into the future. What we know is that Messi wants to leave. Whether or not he's trying to call Bartomeu on the board's bluff or he actually wants to leave, I think is still a little bit up for question. But if I have to put money on it, I think he wants to leave. I, th I think he is actually called to quits. Um, the reason I say that is because I don't think he would have communicated in a legal fashion the way he did today to the club that he actually wants to unilaterally terminate his contract. Um, I, I think that's a pretty hefty and significant way of someone who spent his entire life in the, at the same club, you know, from childhood up to now. Um, I think it's a pretty significant telltale um, that you're legally communicating this through <laughs> what it apparently is called a bursofax, uh, which I didn't know existed before today. Um, well, so faxing, faxing for any sort of transfer news, any sort of like transfer request, and La Liga. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's this plus De Gea from a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that. He denied his Real Madrid move because of a broken fax machine, a misfunctioning fax machine, a fax that maybe got there late. <laughs> I'm glad that Messi is keeping this tradition of big transfers in La Liga uh, being, <laughs> being communicated through fax. Yeah, so you can tell La Liga clubs are behind on technology, but not the football. Um, but uh, let me get back to what we know. We know that, in my opinion, Messi truly does want to leave Barcelona. Um, we know that that was communicated to the Barcelona board. We know that the Barcelona board responded to Messi with another burst of facts, um, <laughs> responding right back, saying, basically saying, we want you to stay. We want you to be the center of this new sporting project that we're going to start. Um, basically begging him not to go. Providing no reason, just saying, don't leave. Um, we also know that uh, Ronald Koeman did sit down with Messi a couple days ago um, and still Messi then explained to him he feels more in than, or out than in uh, within the club. Um, so everything was pointing in this direction. This, is, this shouldn't really, you know, in some ways be a surprise, but the significance of, of Messi leaving Barcelona, Messi is Barcelona. It's, and, and I don't mean that lightly because I don't think, generally speaking, I, I like to stay away from saying one man is defining of a club, but a man with the significance that, that he has truly is this club. Um, if Messi goes to another top European team, and in my personal opinion, I, I think he does end up going to City. That's my personal opinion. Um, you're going to gain 
millions of fans. Um, I mean, myself included, I'm a Messi fan. Of course, I would watch anywhere he goes. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop watching Barcelona games. Uh, but I do enjoy the Champions League more than the Europa League. I will say that. So um, I, I, I don't know what happens. We know so little about what happened today um, in the footballing world. We know that Messi wants to leave and, and Barcelona are aware and are pointing to basically his release clause um, as a reason for him not being able to go. Because the, the legal argument for Barcelona is that May, I believe 31st or June 31st was the expiration date for Messi to decide if he wants to leave on a free by the end of the summer. Um, but because the coronavirus pandemic extended the season, FIFA highlighted August 31st as the end of the season technically. So I think Messi is pointing to that and saying, I can still you know, take advantage of this clause in my contract that says I can leave for free. Um, so that's it might end up being a legal battle in the court. Um, and, and I can't believe that I'm saying that the greatest player of all time is not getting this outrageously outlandish send off by Barcelona. Um, it's what he deserves. He, it's what any player of his stature should have gotten. Um, and it's just, it's a damn shame. Um, the way that the board, Bartomeu specifically, um, have treated him, have treated the players, have treated the club. Um, and this is where we're at. It, it's it's so disheartening. Um, I called my dad today um, right after I'd learned the news. And I called him and I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Messi's leaving Barcelona. And he laughed. And I was like, why are you laughing? This is pretty freaking painful, dad. Like, thanks. <laughs> and the words he said to me were, it was so telling. Um he said, what did you expect? And I was like, that, I mean, that's true. You have to humanize Messi for a second. What did you expect? He's been treated like shit for four years, five years at least. Um, has not gotten the project around him that he expected. He did not get, you know, the players and the cast support him in the Champions League. I mean, he basically did it the last three years all on his own. Um, what did you expect? I don't know. I, I expected more magic than anyone is ever capable of, I guess. But Messi is going to leave Barcelona, I guess, by, um, at the very, very least, he'll leave by 2021. Um, but it looks like he's destined to leave uh, this season. So I think it's important. I mean, <laughs> wow. I, at least that was beautiful. That was beautiful. <laughs> really from the heart. Really from the heart. But I think it, it is important for, like, you know, like you're saying, we try to say that someone's not more than that the club is more than just one player that, you know, that there's so much more to fandom and everything than that. But on a purely human level, like think of how many people emotionally attached to Barcelona football club because of Lionel Messi. And he represents something more than just like the best player on their team. He represents like the reason why, so many of these fans started watching Barcelona. There's so many of these fans continue to watch Barcelona and give money every year to, to go and see him play in a stadium. To, it, it, people travel from all over the world to see this man play. It, it's, it's so much more than just, you know, the best player on one of the best clubs in the world wanting to leave. Right? I saw on Twitter, like, some comparisons between this and, like, Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, um, or this and I think um, Michael Jordan leaving the Bulls the first time when he went to go play baseball. But I think it's way bigger than that, honestly. I mean, we're just talking about one. This is the biggest sport in the world, but two. This is not only the best, prop, the most likely the best player we've ever seen play. This is also a player who has been with one club for. Almost twenty years now, like yeah. <laughs> but since he, he moved from moved from his home <clears throat> as like a preteen and has grown up in this one city for become has become a man in this one city has like become the person that he is today in one part of the world and has also played for the team that is massive in that part of the world and has won things for that team and has brought so much joy to the people 
that not only live in that city, but all over the world. It's so much more than just, than just a great player who sees that, you know, the time is kind of ending at one club and air is ending and he wants to go and win something at the end of his career. It's so much more than that. You don't get to this point unless something's, structurally and very, very deep has gone wrong. And and to think that he would do this, I think, purely as a power play, I, I do think is a bit is like kind of missing the point. <laughs> I think yeah. he has too much yeah. love for the for the club to just try to basically go like <laughs> um Daenerys on the entire board. <laughs> like that like I don't think he wants to just right. destroy the club. You know, uh, I don't know. what We don't know what his ultimate intentions are, obviously, but someone who's devoted, like, so much of his life to a singular organization, they're not just going to do things on a whim, like like try to bluff, um, bluff, no, this bluff is, them. This is not a bluff. This is, if, if quite frankly, it's not a bluff. I mean, to put in, also just lastly, to put into perspective, um, Messi has settled his life in Barcelona. Like he's he settled his family, and, and I think that's underrated. Like you you have to consider someone who's been here since he was thirteen years old. Um, he, he oh, this is all he knows. Um, his wife recently, Antonella. I mean, she started or opened her own store in Barcelona a couple of years ago. Um, his kids, all three of which go to school in Barcelona, have settled very well. That's that's what's at stake for him. I mean, I mean, to him, he said publicly so many times, his family is his number one thing. And for him to say, I'm in a situation where the, the environment I'm in is so toxic, so unhealthy, and so devoid of challenging for the honor and glory that Barcelona should be, I need to go somewhere else and also uproot where my family has been for 20 plus years. That if that doesn't scream institutional crisis, I mean, I don't know what does. I really don't. But I, I don't know what happens to Bartomeu. I don't know what happens to the club. Um, it, it, this also, it, the, the last thing is, this represents, I, I mean, Messi also represented like growth from La Masia, right? And like pride and like so much inspiration to not only talent within the club, but also externally. Um, that you can come to Barcelona and, and thrive and and really progress your career. But now, I mean, that's all up in the air. Um, so it, it, you're right. It does represent more than just a, a guy leaving a club or a really good player leaving a club. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, we shall see. I'm still trying to process the whole thing, but um, we'll get through it. Uh, we have to. We don't have another choice. So there, there's going to be so much. That. There's going to be so much more that comes out in the next. I think throughout the week. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's, it, we'll see what happens when the dust settles. But we're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of, a lot of slander <laughs> on both sides probably getting thrown around this week. So oh, we'll yeah. just have to see what see what comes of it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. Um, we didn't. <laughs> When we planned this podcast, this is the last thing I thought we were going to talk about. Um, I just want to talk about the Champions League, Champions League final, um, how I'm thankful that Neymar did not win it before Messi another time. Um, but here we are talking about another completely different topic, and it goes to show. Life comes at you fast. So with that, I think we're going to take a quick break, and we will actually talk about the Champions League final. That was tough. That was tough. Not going to lie. Um but we're back. We're we're gonna keep on like we always do. I changed my background from Messi to you know my apartment in New York, so it's a little different now. But Rian, let's talk about something that actually happened recently as well. Uh, the last bit of football that we really know of that was played, um, Champions League final. Uh, ever heard of it? Yeah, that happened on Sunday. It seems like forever ago, um, but that was literally just two days ago as we we're recording on Tuesday. Um, that was an interesting game. That was a very interesting game for, for many different reasons. I mean, there are a lot of different storylines that I think we were looking towards. I don't know if they all panned out. Like, I don't know if all the narratives that we were expecting 
to to come out of it actually came out of it and i don't know it was a very odd game that i think was honestly overall pretty even to a certain extent but i don't know correct me if i'm wrong what are your thoughts how did the final go i i, I agree with you that they're very even i thought it was like the first 45 minutes i thought was really good as a game as from a neutral point of view both teams like we said last week, going out and playing the way they've played throughout the entire competition and not going in and totally changing something, making some crazy last minute um, lineup change, changing their tactics, going to a three at the back, not naming any names specifically, but <laughs> both teams went in fully confident of how they play and how successful it is. And you're right, totally even. I, I think PSG is going to feel really, really bad about the fact that they were not able to score at least once in this game. And we got to give a huge credit to Manuel Neuer because the first save he makes against Neymar, when the one, the first time that uh, PSG are able to kind of get in behind and Mbappe and Neymar are able to, to combine on a chance, Good shot from Neymar, who goes in between the legs for Neuer. But Neuer also has, like, the wherewithal to put his hand behind his back in between the space in his legs. So when the ball actually squeezes through his legs, it also hits his hand. And then it goes right back to Neymar, who tries to cross cross it into uh, Mbappe. And Neuer's there again with a kick save. And that basically set the tone for PSG having one of the most FIFA matches, like literally FIFA the game. <laughs> like, oh my God. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, chance at a, a few chances in the first half. Is that one? There's three chances in the first half that PSG are going to rue horribly because we should note that Bayern only trailed once in the entire their entire Champions League campaign. They won, they became the first team to win every single game with no draws. They trailed only in their group stage match against Olympiacos. That was the only game they trailed in at any point. And that's when they were down 1-0 and they ended up winning 3-2 in that game. But no one was able to really put them on the back foot at any point since then in this competition. And it would have been cool to see them have to play from behind. But, I mean, I, I think the Mbappe chance and the Di Maria chance, both in the first half, both from really nice passes from Ander Herrera, who, had, who I thought played a lot better than I would have expected him to, and good on him. And he had a great post-match interview, basically, you know, explaining... Well, you he know did. what happens when you play when you play, really Bayern, when you play Bayern. You know when you don't finish your chances, they kill you. But um, really disappointed. <laughs> I think I think you use different language, but sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, all the same. Um, but really disappointed. I think in the, with the Mbappe chance where it's a counterattack, he plays it into Herrera. It, it was a great pass into Herrera, and Herrera is in a position where. Everyone thinks he's going to shoot. And he really, really clever cut back to Mbappe because he has three defenders running at him. Cut back to Mbappe, who has like probably five yards of space or so, and hits the shot right at Neuer. And that was really disappointing. And we look back, and it's the finishing of Neymar and the finishing of Mbappe that really let PSG down. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, and the reason being is I, d- I don't think it's too harsh on us to focus a lot of our energy and time on the lack of finishing from Mbappe and Neymar. Reason being because Bayern only had a handful of, like, really quality chances. Other than, like, maybe I think I can think of three max that – Bayern properly had one of which is obviously the goal, but I can only think of those couple chances that they had to score. P- 
PSG for a large part of that first half, very open, playing right into their hands, had numerous chances to actually get one. And, and that, I think, could have really turned the tie in the first half. Granted, I think Bayern were always going to score, um, but at least giving you a cushion does you a favor. And PSG did not do themselves any favors. Ultimately, it falls on Neymar and Papa and Di Maria. Don't leave Di Maria out of it. I know we haven't said his name, but he is also partially responsible for it. And I, I don't know where else to point the finger. I guess it is a success that PSG made it to a Champions League final. Fair enough. Did they come up against the best team in Europe? Yes. But do you have to beat the best team in Europe to become the best team in Europe? Also, yes. So, in a way, they got a step closer, a massive step closer, I should say, to their goal. But they didn't achieve it. Um, so, we put it, you know, this project in, in the context of whether or not PSG were successful with it. Um, not yet, but they're they're pretty close. Just not yet. In the same way that City, I, City, I think, is a little different because it's the Premier League and they've absolutely destroyed the Premier League for a large part of the last four years. Um, but they're still not at their golden crown. I think they're in the same boat. So, yeah, PSG were not... I don't want to say they weren't up to it, actually. They were. I think they created... Yeah, no, no, no. They were absolutely up to it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely up to it. I, I And yeah. I think we have to give... We have to give Thomas Tuchel credit too, because as a manager, you can only do so much that he put the team, the team was in the right positions to be able to really punish Bayern. Um, you know, I was a little nervous about their midfield that he threw out there, keeping Herrera in and, but, and that ended up being a great call. Um, I thought the pressing of both teams was really good. I, I mean, I think they made it hard on each other to be fair. And you look at the goal that Bayern scored. And it's just beautiful team movement. And ultimately, I, just for the record, I'm not giving Kimmich any credit. Elias is just an outstanding player hater and, for, and, and is upset that I mentioned a while ago that Kimmich was very good and Elias rebuked it only to be shat on for the next five to six months where Kimmich is pretty much his <laughs> best player outside of Lewandowski for pretty much actually yeah. for, for, for the second half of their season. Um, I think ultimately Byron's goal came from great team move. Is that the main difference between them and PSG is that, you know, PSG was relying more on individuals, whereas Byron, as we've talked about before, team cohesion, a team that, knew where their passes were. I think a great, great example of a team that knows exactly where their team is going to be on the pitch at all, at almost all times is the Bayern goal. The touch from Lewandowski to Kimmich before he crosses is a pass into him where he is having to outrun the defender who is running right with him. I believe it's Thiago Silva. And they're both going for the ball. And whereas most strikers, this ball's in the box, by the way, most strikers will snatch at that and just go for the shot. Lewandowski gets his body in front of the defender and lays it off for Kimmich, who's then able to play the cross into the back post uh, where Komen scores. By the way, a PSG youth product, we should throw that in. A guy who left PSG four years ago yeah, because, because, Lauren Blanc, because Lauren Blanc was not going to play him. Which you know, this is a, this is a very similar story to a lot of PSG youth players who who've left in the last, I think, four to five years. But a great team move, and, and in the end, the best team in Europe, like you said, won the game. Bayern have won thirty six of the last thirty six matches to end the season in all competitions. <laughs> they didn't, like I said, did not lose a single game in the Champions League, and I think. The job that Hansi Flick has done to take them from a team who lost 5-1 to Eintracht Frankfurt before Nico uh, Kovac got fired back in November. To take a team 
that he wasn't even promised that he would keep that job, by the way. He came in as caretaker first and then earned the right to get a long-term contract. Brought the team together, and they played as one unit. And when you throw in the talent that they have, when you play like that and you have the talent, it's really fucking hard to beat them. <laughs> it's, it feels <laughs> very like Golden State Warriors as when they threw yeah. when, when they threw in Kevin Durant, where it's just like they already played the best basketball in the world. <laughs> But then throw in the fact that they're also going to have all of these guys who are super intelligent and really skilled. Yeah. You know, that that's unfair at that point. This Bayern team has felt unfair for, for like, months now. And, and I think, yes, most years, we have to be pretty disappointed with the fact that the Bundesliga is so easy for them. But I think we can give all other 19 teams or sorry, 17 other teams in the Bundesliga a pass this year because I don't think anyone was going to be able to challenge this Bayern team once they actually figured it out. No, yeah, this this Bayern team is undoubtedly, honestly, like props to them. The turnaround from November has been ridiculous, but they're undoubtedly the best team in Europe. Um, and I got, I got shades of Real Madrid in 2017 um, from this Bayern team, especially in the Champions League. I mean, in the Bundesliga, even like during the Hansi Flick, I guess you, if you want to call it era, they still like in the Bundesliga showed signs of lacking consistency. It wasn't like they were losing games all the time, but like there's there's still an element of them being vulnerable to conceding, and you just didn't see that in the Champions League. Like in the Champions League. 2017 Real Madrid, you knew we're just going through to the next round. Like, one way or another, they were going to find a way. And that's exactly what Bayern in 2020 did. Granted, two very different situations with the format and everything, but there was no team that was going to beat Bayern. Maybe on a one-off, it could have happened, like in the final, but Bayern just found a way. They had the team, they had the depth, especially... And in that final, man, I, I mean, the one thing that stood out to me most, players aside, they're so tenacious. They have, like, absolutely, they're absolutely relentless. Tiago, relentless. Perisic, actually an animal. Um, all of them, they, they just don't stop. Like, it could be the 87th minute, and they could be up 3-0 or 8-2. And... They just, they don't stop. It, it's insane to me. And that's that's a winning mentality. I think that's the biggest change that Hansi Flick has made over, uh, you know, Nico Kovac. And, it, I mean, big congratulations to them. Winning the treble for any team, regardless of the situation, is absolutely incredible and should not be um, taken lightly. So, props to them. Yeah, big big props to them. Yeah, we, like I said, I think we saw that a team with a coordination with a real sense of belief that the guy next to you will also be doing their job at the same time and will be in the positions that you expect them to be when you have the ball, everything about them, they were just a machine. And that's where I think we have to come on and talk about PSG and where do they go from here next? You know, they, this is like you said, a great first, a great step to even get to the final. Like that's a huge step, regardless of the format. That's a huge step for them in this project. What do we feel like they were missing in this particular game? Because now we have to think about, they have to think about, all right, we got there. You know, on another day, maybe Neymar finishes that chance against Neuer. Maybe Angel Di Maria doesn't completely shoot the ball over the net when when Honor Herrera plays him in, putting a ball on a platter for him. That one also pissed me off. But where do we think they have to look at this game and feel like they need to? I we need to improve in this area. So. Tiago Silva's leaving. Let's bring Tiago Silva back into the picture, though. Let's take the starting 11 as is. Um, 
I don't think there is anything I would change about that team. The reason why I say that is because while I don't know if the team is incredibly balanced in the sense that I do think they rely a little bit too much on individual attacking talent up front um, and not enough creative play behind them because they have the pieces in Predes and Verratti behind them um, and Marquinhos as a whole, but that, those pieces are there. I, what, what do you change, right? I, I think this game was inches away from being a PSG win. I picked PSG at the beginning of the season to win the Champions League for that reason. Their attacking talent was just on another level. Um, I thought their midfield was creative enough, although the, the lines don't necessarily gel as well as I thought they would have. Defensively, I think that maybe is their only weakness, but they had a strong leader in Thiago Silva, even though he's aging. Um, now, of course, I think the biggest thing you have to change is how do you replace a captain? That's a hard question. How do you replace such a strong center back? But I don't know if I, I genuinely don't know what I would change. You have two of the top five players in your squad. That alone should have gotten you this far, which it did. And what do you change? I mean, I asked you the same question. What do you change? I, cause I don't, I don't know if I have an answer. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I have one, a major one either. I I think it'd be a bit nitpicking at this point. Um, I feel like they could. I feel like there's an upgrade on under Herrera somewhere there. And, no, and granted, I mean, that, yeah. that could be. Granted, <laughs> that that could just be. That could just be uh, Marco Verratti coming back in. You know, he he didn't get to start this game because of an injury. He ended up coming in a bit later in the game, which was a weird sub when you're chasing a game to bring on. Um, basically, an, uh, more or less a, a number eight, or sorry, number six, another another holding mid of sorts. But I think that midfield is still very balanced. I like Paredes. I, I think a three of him, Marquinhos, and Verratti were would be very effective again next season. Um, we saw how well they played against Real Madrid in the group stage when they blew Madrid away, um, and a lot of it was down to their midfield trios. I think what maybe needs to also be tuned up is that right back position where I think it was Carrer playing. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, they had Mounier before who is now moving on to Dortmund. So that's a spot that they need to, that I think probably needs to be upgraded in some sense for them. If if we're talking about, you know, just what takes them to the next level. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I kind of agree with you. I don't, I don't think, um, the right back spot is, I guess, strong enough. Um, Mounier, I, I wouldn't even say Mounier was that amazing to begin with, but it didn't get better, um, or it's not getting better. So maybe that is one spot. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it, but but like you said, you know, they've got two of the top five players in the world, right? <laughs> and, and ultimately, it falls down on them. It falls down on. Kylian Mbappe, like I said, missing that chance, but most importantly, it falls down on Neymar, who is the far more experienced of the two. He's we're talking about a 28-year-old now, right? We're talking about some a guy who's now played in two Champions League finals, someone who's very experienced, and as great as he was during this tournament, we saw from starting from the quarterfinals that his shooting for whatever reason was not good enough for it was not good enough. Yeah. You think about that Atalanta game. If he finishes two of those, I believe three or four chance, two of those three to four chances that he had in the first half. Yeah. That's a much easier game for, for, for your team. That's you don't have to expend the energy at the end in the second half that you did that um you were forced to because of the position that you put yourself in. Right. 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 It, it brings me to a more overarching question because he's so maligned. He, he's so polarizing. He's such a hard character to to really pin down and to really uh, get, a consist, get consistent, I think, opinions on, really, Neymar. Like, are well, we what's your opinion? On them? Are we... Uh, my... My are we too harsh on him? You answer my first. Opinion in general, or too? I mean, I think we're too harsh. 
only in the sense that, you know, he can't do everything, of course, right? Because we can also say in the Atalanta game that the midfield that was picked for that game was horrible, I thought. And Atalanta pressed them very well and made it really hard for Neymar to be able to even get the ball from his midfield. <laughs> like he had to drop so much and had to create, he created those three to four chances pretty much by himself. So I, I do think we're a bit, we're a bit harsh on him in the sense that we expect him to do everything. But when it comes down to it, we expect him to succeed in the crucial moments. That's what comes with that price tag that's what comes with his notoriety that's what comes with the talent that we believe he is right and i don't think it's hard to expect him to you know in that atlanta game put three of those one-on-ones on target he missed the the net in a couple in a few of them i don't think it's crazy to expect that in the biggest game of the season he'll be a bit more influential than what we saw. I don't think it's harsh that the last 20 to 30 minutes of the game, whether it was tiredness, whether he had kind of lost hope, the multiple times where he, and even Mbappe, has to take some flack for this too, as he, as I feel like he did it at times in the first half too, where picks up, the ball is passed to him, and instead of moving it forward, Neymar, as he likes to do, customary, waits for the defenders to come at him because he likes to go, he likes to just dribble around and stuff. And he did that more and more as the game went on. And maybe you can say he's forcing it, but it also felt at times detrimental to the team. And I think we are only slightly too harsh on him. But for the player that we believe he is, or as Elias believes him to be the third best player in the world, it it's not harsh. It's not harsh, the criticism, I think, for that performance in the final, at least. A hundred percent agreed. I'm not going to change the thing you said. I don't think that it's harsh to... I don't think we've been too harsh, I should say, on Neymar. Uh, to live up to that expectation of being the third best behind, of course, Messi and Lewandowski uh, <laughs> is going to be, um, I guess, how you define yourself in those moments, you know, how, how do you get that over the line? Um, I mean, Lewandowski's done it. Messi has obviously done it. Cristiano has done it. Um, all these best of the best players have done that because they, I, I don't want to use that cliche of step up in the big moments, but I, it, I would almost use the opposite phrase. I would say they don't drop the ball in, in the big moments. Um, because there, there are levels to how well you perform in a, in a final or in a you know last step to a trophy type situation. N- Neymar, he lost the ball a lot during the final, he, especially in the second half. But that's just the way he plays. Um, I, I've come to realize that from watching Barcelona. It was frustrating for me to no end to watch that. But the one or two times that it works in a game, it leaves you speechless. It truly leaves you speechless. That's why I think he's so great. Um, but at the same time, overall, is it detrimental to the team? I mean, if you look at the final, yeah, I guess it is. Because if it, <laughs> they didn't lose that the ball that much, maybe they wouldn't have conceded that goal. Maybe. So many what-ifs. Ultimately, I agree with you. I don't think it's too harsh um, of us to you know be this critical of Neymar. Um, money, you know, transfer... Amount to PSG is tied for the quality that we believe he is. I think he, I think he can do better for himself. Yeah, and it, I mean, look, Ellis and I, you know, have gone back and forth on on our subject of Hazard versus Neymar kind of thing, and and, and I know I like to make jokes and stuff about him, but. I want to see Neymar succeed too. I want to see you want to see the best players come up and perform in the big games. And you think about it, you know, not let's not act like, you know, Neymar has never like has never been able to play well on a big stage, right? You know, he was he was great in the 25 in the uh, 2015 final or, or uh yeah, against 20 in the 2015 final against oh, yeah. Juve. Yeah. He was great. He was great in that game. But 
he left Barcelona in a shit storm, by the way. He left it in a shit storm and he left it to go and be the guy on the team himself. Right. And this is not the return that I don't need expecting. all this triggering stuff. I, I you know, it's been it's been a long day if you hadn't known. <laughs> but this is not this is not the this is not what we expected right is that this is not what we expected in those four years on from leaving barcelona it's what comes with like i said i know i said i know the price tag isn't always the big thing but it's what comes with that kind of big move in your career he left while the best player in the world was still in his prime he looked at the team that had just that had won the Champions League not a year prior with Lionel Messi, who was 29, 28, 29 at the time, and decided, nah, this isn't for me. I, I would actually rather go. And this is always going to be part of his legacy. These moments, that decision it all gets remembered. And when he comes up, you know, quote unquote, small in these games, he's going to get the criticism and it's going to be justified because of the decision that he made. The big, big decision that he made just four years ago. So. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, I don't know if he's lived up to that expectation yet, but he still has several more years at the top level. So. I'll I'll wait about four to five more years before I make that justification and that call if he's lived up to it. But one final loss, it's not going to kill him. It is sad for him individually, but he'll live. <laughs> yeah, just last thing on this, an- another shout-out to Robert Lewandowski. 55 goals this year at 32 and had his best season of his career. Yeah. Hats off to him, and finally winning the Champions League. It's it's a great it's it's a great story, and he's just so weird. So it's great. This this the Bayern team is so his, his TikToks <laughs> are just off the charts. They're just the combination of him and Thomas Mueller in the same <laughs> locker room must be so fucking goofy. So, you oh know, congrats to them. I know, I know. So, yeah, no. Ultimately, congrats to them. If you have not seen Robert Lewandowski's TikTok, though, oh my god, go watch it. It's, it is a sight to behold. But anyway, enough of that. We're going to take a break because I need it. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, last bit on the pod. We talked about Messi. I don't even want to say his name right now before I start crying. Um, we talked about a Champions League final. We got to talk about the Europa League final. Because um, in my humble opinion, I thought that was the best final of the two. Um, it just wildly entertaining between two sides that are really, really talented. Um, one in Inter with, of course, they have an infamous striking duo in Lautaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku. Um, and I think Inter's story just in the last couple of years being bought out from the Chinese, um, you know, uh, I forget what's what's his name, the businessman Zhang Zhang Zhang, yeah, I believe. There you go. Um, just and how they've actually, I guess, succeeded in some ways, um, which you don't really see a lot from. I don't want to say you don't see it a lot, but it's rare to see that kind of success in a short period of time. They've invested well. They've done really well. Um, I mean, domestically, they've done really well if you take Juve out of the picture. So. Um, I, I don't know. I think Inter's stories is really compelling. And then Sevilla's with Monchi coming back, basically a brand new squad um, with the knowledge that Ever Benega's leaving. I mean, it was kind of written in the stars for Sevilla, the kings of the Europa League, um, which sounds like a meme, but it's really not because they, they, they perform so well in Europe um, when given the opportunity, and especially with a brand new squad, essentially, Hats off to Sevilla for winning the Europa League. Um, 
I'd like to formally announce my consideration um, or nomination at the very least for uh, Luke de Jong for Ballon d'Or as well. Um, I think with four goals in 42 games, that undoubtedly makes him the best candidate. Um, of course, those four, four or so goals coming at literally the best possible times. But yeah, the, maybe Neymar can take a note from that. So <laughs> what did you think of the final? Um was it a justified scoreline? I think we both picked Inter to win, um, so it was a pleasant surprise for me after all the Spanish clubs just shit the bed, frankly, in Europe. You can always you can always count on Sevilla. It, it's six in six, six time Europe Europa League champions, six times in the last fifteen years. We should throw in too. I mean, absurd. As, yeah, as, as much like you said, as much as it sounds like a meme. It's not easy to win the Europa League, as some teams in the Premier League have found, right? And as one team in the Premier League found in the semifinal, it's not easy to defend Luke de Jong when he's at his best. <laughs> it's, I mean... Okay, that's definitely about, a meme. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are we talking about? Three goals in the semifinal and final? I don't believe that Robert Lewandowski was able to match those. <laughs> so, again, like That's I said fair. on Twitter, it's very hard to pick between the two. I don't know. I think I'm going to wait until 2021. I think I think we've got to keep him in the consideration for 2021 Ballon d'Or when it comes back, of course. But all jokes aside, I mean, Sevilla, Sevilla and Julian Lopetegui, great story. What a great story. Yeah. Him from two years ago, the debacle with the Spanish national team and Real Madrid. You know, it, it's, it was great. You saw him crying at the end of the match, and, and you really fell for him. So really happy for him. We saw today that Antonio Conte has decided to stay at Inter after his... That surprised me. After his customary... Um, fit at the end of the season when when the board tells him they can't get him every single player he wants, he has decided to stay. So, so that's good. Ultimately, good ultimately for Inter. Good ultimately for Syria because Inter have the best chance, I think, for the next couple of years to actually knock Juve off that perch. Especially Juve coming in with a totally inexperienced Pirlo <laughs> as their manager as. Teams just move towards the nostalgia uh, train when it comes to hiring managers now. That I'm sure it's that, working for some, but I don't not, get that it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely not a consistent result kind of thing. But. <laughs> that is, to be fair, Pirlo got I think the fastest promotion I've ever seen in any professional career ever, ever. <laughs> the under twenty three under three twenty threes coach to to. Manager in like eight days. <laughs> what? Uh, but, but, but I don't think. Yeah, he's ready. yeah, but but I mean, yeah, I guess we we shall see. But um, I think Inter's got a great chance to to actually win Serie A next season, um, especially if they're able to at least get some of the players that that um Antonio Conte would like. We saw that they signed Hakimi, which is a, I think is a great signing. Such a, a is great signing. A, someone who's play, basically played wing back for Dortmund and is going to a team that will be perfect for his skill set. Like, that's a great signing for them. Agreed. Looks like they're going to be able to keep Lautaro Martinez for at least another season. Rama Lukaku. <laughs> well, <laughs> if we sell enough players, <laughs> which we won't. <laughs> <laughs> and who can resist Barcelona at this point, right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the mess we're in. How attractive is this? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but uh, it, good stuff for, it, for I think, ultimately a disappointing because, you know, Lukaku ends up hitting it into his own net on a on an outrageous overhead kick from Diego Lopez, who, your opinion, should he have been sent off for that challenge in the first half um, on the penalty? Probably. Yeah. I, yeah, I hate to say it, but probably. Yeah, I, I always like to give the ben the benefit of the doubt to defenders, because in that in that moment it was like, okay, it's not, it's kind of a tough angle for the for yeah. the player to score from, 
And there kind of was a defender in the picture too. But then the more you look at the replay, you see that yeah. uh, Diego Lopez <laughs> like basically tries to cut a hole into his <laughs> opponent's like Achilles with the with the tackle, and it's probably a bit dangerous. And he's not going for the ball at all. So yeah, no, he probably no. shouldn't be on the pitch, but. Nevertheless, uh, unfortunate own goal for Lukaku, but he's turned into a not a complete, not a completely different player. I don't want to say he's a completely different player, but no, because I think I think it's shades of Everton, just exactly. on steroids. A team that a team that is tailored again to his strengths, whether it's through the tactics or right. you know the players around him. He, like he didn't have a Lautaro Martinez at Manchester United at any point. Right. Not a single one. He had Jeffrey Lingard <laughs> trying to play soccer in front of him (laughs) like that's like like, that was the difference yeah and and he's showing us the player that we all expect that he could become and and or that he is and he he always was that he is yeah right totally right that's a totally good point like he could become an inter legend now and i hope he does and and um and you know like i said not all bad for inter big props to sevilla Big props to Luke De Jong, of course. A brace in the final, or sorry, or a goal, I mean, a goal in the final, beating, beat, and also goals against Manchester United. Everything. Well, we did have a brace in, a, in the sorry, final. Bricks, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it, Don't take that away from him. True, true. You're right. They were two great headers. They were two great headers. It, it was a good game, honestly. I really liked the Europa League in this format as well, too. And, and it'll be interesting to see. There's some talk about. What's going to happen with these one-legged formats? I think it would be interesting to keep it maybe for the Europa League. Like, if not for the Champions League, maybe keep it for the Europa League. I thought there, that a lot of the games that were going on, especially in the quarterfinals and semifinals, were really, really entertaining games um, for the Europa League. So, Well, Rian and I were going back and forth about this yesterday, I think, um, whether or not you actually keep the one-legged ties in the Champions League and the Europa League. <clears throat> I don't mind them. I think there are a lot of questions. The biggest one is where do you play that one leg um, in a world where the coronavirus doesn't exist and we're back to having fans in the stadium? Where do you play that? And B, and this is the biggest point, UEFA is not going to do that because each game is a lot of money for them. So they're not going to take away money. They're not going to willingly cut like a quarter of their revenue and just say, no, that makes sense. Let's, let's take it away. Um, unless they somehow need to charge higher broadcasting fees and rights for each game because it becomes more in demand. That's a whole other issue. It's not going to happen, in my opinion. I just don't think we see that happening. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think ultimately it doesn't happen. I think you think about the clubs to the clubs that expect that home and away to get the revenue, that gate revenue, especially like round of 16 quarterfinals when it's not the massive clubs. Right? And and it's a bit of the smaller. Sometimes we'll have you know smaller clubs who will make a lot of money on those nights, right? So financially, I think it's difficult to see it happening before the next. I think like broadcasting rights are are up for uh, sale. But it, it was really exciting. It was nice to see. At the, it was a great way to to kind of condense it now, and it was fun. But but we should also remember that two legged. The last four years, the last three years. There's been some really good two-legged ties too in the in the semifinals and, and quarterfinals. So it's not like we yes, lose all of this. I value. remember Anfield fondly, so fondly. Yeah, Rome. Okay. All right. But also, La Remontada <laughs> is a two-leg. So you know, <laughs> dude, the footballing world, you have gotten everything back for us getting that now we are beyond even this is pain like no other okay it's gotta stop it's whatever it's not a barcelona podcast but yeah the europa league final was amazing tldr um cannot wait to see the uefa the uefa super cup by the way Bayern against sevilla uh, i forget when that is i don't know if you know i believe i believe soon. i believe it'll be the end of september there you go is, is okay. what, what they're shooting for yeah, so I actually really cannot wait for that. Um, would love to see those two teams square off. I mean, Bayern are probably going to win, but you never know in the one-legged format. You never know. So, anything else you wanted to add, Rian, before we wrap up? 
Yeah, one one last thing. Uh, we've got Community Shield coming up this weekend. Which I didn't realize until until uh, yesterday. <laughs> but but yeah, Liverpool Arsenal, both teams who haven't played in a while. Uh, it should be interesting. But we got that, and then like we've talked about before, the Spain, Germany, and England all coming back September twelfth. Now it's just a couple weeks of. Very, very messy, messy and reckless, loose transfer rumors, and things are going to move very, very quickly. Yeah, n- it wasn't at first, but yeah, <laughs> actually the entire time. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I meant Thank that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's fair. I, and the last thing um, we'll wrap up with is look out for a transfer podcast next week where we'll go into detail about some of those transfers. Um and of course, messy. We don't know what's going to happen. So, with that, thank you guys for listening. Um, you can always send us, you know, kind, loving emails, especially for me at this difficult time at theoverlappod at gmail.com. Um, with that, we'll wrap up. And thank you guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks, guys.